Alzheimer's sucks. It's an equal opportunity disease that chips away at everything we hold dear. And to date, there's no cure. So until there is, we continue to fight with the most powerful tool in our arsenal, love. This is Love Conquers Alls, a real and really positive podcast that takes a deep dive into everything Alzheimer's, the good, the bad, and everything in between. And now, here's your hosts, Susie Singer-Carter and Cassie Cruz. I'm Susie Singer Carter and I'm Cassie Cruz and this is Love Conquers Alls and today I did tidy up my my background so and it's cheerful at least in case looks, you know distracting. <laughs> it always looks fantastic you always look fantastic thank you you look know. fantastic and you have pretty flowers so that's nice uh, thank you. little little cheerfulness a little one of my friends came and dropped them off and they of course because we're not like doing social contacting they knocked on my door left a text and left me these beautiful flowers oh that that's nice we have such a good guest today we have you such did. a good guest i'm excited because She's actually like an incredibly brilliant human being who writes journalism for Scientific American and all kinds of things. I'm going to read you. Have you seen her bio? It's amazing. It's amazing. Yes. Yeah. Do read her bio. For everybody I'm going to read to it so I don't miss anything out because it's yeah. nice. Yeah. Short but potent. Yes. Um, Tanya Lewis is an associate editor for Health and Medicine at Scientific American, as I said, uh, where she covers everything from genetics to neuroscience and, of course, lately the coronavirus pandemic. And um, pre previous to that, she was working as an assistant news editor at Scientific American and a news writer for The Scientist. And she's one of those smart girls and yeah. a staff writer at Business Insider and, and a science reporter at Live Science. So she got it down. And she's also written for Science News and Wired, which is, uh, I love that, Wired is yeah. And she holds a graduate degree in science communication from um, the University of, of California, Santa Cruz, and a BS in biomedical engineering from Brown University. <laughs> I'm just got, saying she's got, some, she's got some creds man I'm just saying I'm just saying well that's very smart she she knows how to research find out information and then write it beautifully so we can understand it exactly and that's what we're going to be talking about today right yeah and and more so yes. I'm going to uh bring our I'm going to bring her on yay please welcome Tanya Lewis it's so nice to have you well, it's really nice to join you. Thank you so much for that lovely intro. I got to read your latest article, right? And um, I would, I, I found it very fascinating because these are things that are a little over my head, but you broke it down and you really discussed um, all these little individual um, pieces so I could understand it as a layperson. So I really appreciate that about your writing. So I was, I was really grateful for that because it's really hard concepts to understand. Yeah, I mean, exactly. It's, it's, my job is basically taking scientific jargon and just translating it into something that everyday people can understand, including myself. So um, although I do have some science background, I still have to like learn these things from the ground up too sometimes. So if I don't understand it, then my readers definitely aren't going to understand it. Right. Well, I want to tell you, you did a fantastic job. And in Scientific American, there is an article that we're um, that we 
of course wanted to have you on to talk about. It's called The Harder Look at Alzheimer's Cause, Causes and Treatments. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, because this whole month, I think the, the May uh, issue is dedicated to Alzheimer's, right? Yeah, this I month. actually have a copy right here. There it is. There it is. A new Somehow. era for Alzheimer's. Please, God, let's make it a new era, a different era. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We want that, please. Yes. Sure. Bring yeah. us some good news. So what's great bring is Bring us that a treatment. Bring, <laughs> yeah, us, yeah, bring yeah. us some treatments. Bring us yeah. some treatments that actually will help us, um, you know, stop the degeneration of the mind. Yeah. I think everyone would love to see that, especially the scientists that are working on this. So. I'm sure. Yeah. I remember when I was, I was developing a movie of the week for Lifetime at the time with this scientist. He and his wife, they were living in different continents and and you know, looking researching for cures and treatments for Alzheimer's, and they are up against so much. I mean, you know, just dealing with the drug companies and trying yeah. to penetrate that world, which is a whole nother topic. But you know, we ended up having to stop the project from development because it got it was it got dark. But oh, you know, really? they were, yeah, yeah. Oh, because, well, there's a lot of money involved and then mm -hmm. we talk about that whole, yeah. and then what's the right thing to do. And I think that that's, Tanya, would you tell us a little bit about what drove you to do this type of work and, and who you are a little bit? I guess when I was growing up, you know, I, I was always really interested in science but I also sort of had this creative side and I enjoyed writing and write, writing short stories and like you know just silly things for myself but um kind of as I was going through school and, and college I just sort of like followed this sort of track that I thought I should be doing which was you know getting a science degree um my dad's an engineer so I kind of kind of followed his footsteps a little bit. Um, he's more of a like an electrical engineer and I, I went into biomedical engineering, but um, I was basically really fascinated with the human body and mm -hmm. especially the brain and trying to understand mm -hmm. everything we could about why, you know, some people, you know, suffer various uh, problems, you know, with their brains and, and what happens to kind of, you know, why is it that like for most of us, our brains work, fine all the time and and for some people you know you get a stroke or you get alzheimer's or something and suddenly those um that brain circuitry just doesn't work right. the way it should or why is does it work when it shouldn't work that exactly. that fascinates me you know yeah and, you i know, know it's amazing how well the brain can really adapt yeah to, you know whatever is thrown at it in a way in a way that like most computers couldn't do well, you know, the cool thing is, is because we're human beings and we're pretty cool. <laughs> that's, what you, that's why you got all interested in it, right? Yeah. And, but I think that's what, yeah, I think it's fascinating. I, my, I, my daughter just had a baby who is missing her corpus callosum. Oh, wow. Yeah, and which happens. It, but they just didn't used to be able to diagnose it so early and know that. And most people live very well without it. Really? What is it? Yeah, it's the connection between the two hemispheres and the brains. Mm -hmm. But oh. I, yeah, that's an interesting condition. I'm, I'm not that familiar with it. Yeah, it's wow. it, there's diff, you can be partial. It's occlusion of the corpus callosum, so it's ACC. Huh. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, wow. And, and then the brain just compensates for it. Basically, it can like if it if it uh, the interesting thing because I did so much research on it because it it you know it's not well known 
I became a researcher, <laughs> but you know, but it's, it's, if it's a partial uh, occlusion, it's actually worse because that mm -hmm. is an indication of other things going wrong, going, something else is wrong. So it often lead, leads to other issues. Hmm. If it's a complete occlusion, it's sometimes it's like, like I was saying before with elasticity, it's like, oh, okay, so that's not there. So the brain goes, okay, so let's go down here where there's still membrane over here with the hippocampus or whatever. You know, it's like, it's yeah. interesting. I, wow. I, I, I find it fascinating too. And, yeah. and our little girl's six months now. And I mean, we're looking for the signs of anything, you know, but it's so far. Yeah. Knock on, knock on anything. <laughs> well, really, uh, as my friend would say. <laughs> well, with yeah. that, uh, Tanya, coming back full circle on that, what made you interested to be a writer in this field? Yeah, so as I was just saying, like I had those two interests of science and writing, and I just, I didn't know that there was a, a way I could really combine those. But after I graduated from college, I kind of did a year of research. I actually went to Germany for a year and kind of studied um, brains of monkeys, among other things. And I was like fascinated with that, but I knew that I was kind of like missing something and I, I missed writing. And I found out about this program at UC Santa Cruz that kind of trains scientists how to write and how to be journalists. And that was just never a career I had really thought about, but it really made sense to me to just combine those two passions of mine. Google's always coming to the WGA, which is the Writers Guild, asking us to write things about with female protagonists, you know, young girls who are interested mm -hmm. in how can we get more girls interested in science? When I was growing up, I part of the reason I was so interested in science was reading stuff like Scientific American. You know, I think my dad had a subscription and it was like fascinating to read these stories about, you know, all of the different not just biology, but, you know, cosmology and like physics and all these other fields too. And just everything. Right. And I've got to tell you, I love, I love your alma mater. That's my alma mater too, Santa Cruz. You oh, see really? Santa Cruz. Shout nice. out for the yeah, slugs. <laughs> yeah. I want to dive deep a little bit with you, Tanya. So I was going to, you know, you, your article, which is a harder look at Alzheimer's causes and treatments. Um, there's, I mean, there's always a conversation and any conversation that has to do with Alzheimer's always includes the, the beta amyloids, right? Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I always think of them as brain plaque or like brain um, cholesterol, kind of. That's how I visualize it, like some sticky substance that needs to be removed. But can you break that down for what, you know, we, we hear it, but we don't really know what it is and why, it, where does it come from and why? So as you mentioned, like beta amyloid is just basically, it's a kind of protein, which is just like, you know, a substance that's made by our body. Um, and we think it, you know, I, I don't, know if we know exactly why we make this particular protein but it's kind of um, made by breaking down another protein um, which is called amyloid precursor protein that's the technical name but um, for some reason there's like a breakdown in the process of of breaking down this protein and um, it just accumulates in these kind of st sticky clumps like you said um, in the outside of the brain cells and neurons in the brain and um, interferes with, you know, memory and cognitive functions. Um, but yeah, that was kind of like the first uh, 
hypothesis for what was causing Alzheimer's. Um, they call it the amyloid hypothesis because um, they noticed that, or scientists were noticing that people had these clumps of plaques of amyloid in the brain and they didn't know why, but they noticed that people with certain genetic forms of Alzheimer's, like the early onset kind, um, were, they had like genetic mutations in the genes related to how these amyloid proteins get broken down. So they kind of figured out that those people might be, uh, you know, if these people were developing al Alzheimer's, maybe everyone who was getting the disease late in life was um, developing this disease as a result of these amyloid clumps. Right. So, yeah, so it was kind of a, you know, that they, that was how they first came up with this idea. But um, over the last couple of decades, there's just been a lot of other complexity that scientists have stumbled across. And, and now we think that it's just maybe one part of right. a really complex cascade of different things going on. Right. It's like the, the trifecta. There has to be all these things that come into play that, that create, you know, caused the perfect storm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. I had heard of tangles, but I didn't mm -hmm. know that they were, it's tau proteins, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So those are another thing. And those are, those are the proteins that actually cause those webs or that tangle themselves around the neurons. That so the tau is actually inside the neurons, so oh, okay. it's kind of confusing. Like I think amyloid is on the outside and forms clumps and plaques, and then you have uh, tau protein, which forms inside of the cells, and it's it's a structural protein inside the cell, but it gets like misshapen somehow and forms kind of these neurofibrillary tangles. It seems to be a progression where you get. Uh, you know, these plaques of amyloid developing on the outside of brain cells, and then you get the tangles on the inside. Right. Um, and it's just a whole mess. We don't really know, you know, if one is like causing the other, it might just, you we just see these two features in uh, m most people that have Alzheimer's. And so the people that don't have Alzheimer's, you, they, the, the scientists have proven that this, these are not in these areas. So, yeah, or, I think there was just part of being just a human being and some people it affects because that's what I got from your article. That there was not anything that was absolute conclusion at this point. I mean, there was all hypothesis still and they had hoped to go further right with it. And they thought yeah. they saw something and they're trying to find that key. You know, they're trying to find the right pieces. Would you right. So we do think that amyloid is pretty heavily involved in in Alzheimer's, um, what we don't know is exactly whether it's causing the problems um, or whether it's just sort of a marker or, you know, like sort of a sign that the brain is, um, that the Could person- possibly. Yeah, Could like possibly we don't really do know if it's, if it's the cause or not, or whether or not if you kind of stopped amyloid from forming or if you degraded it, if that would like lead to an effective treatment. Um, so that's the key. It's like most people, you know, as we age, I think, you know, our brains kind of decline a little bit, but um, we don't see these kind of hallmarks that you find in Alzheimer's. I gotcha. I gotcha. So is that what um, uh, Biogen and the amyloid uh, drug trial that they're, that's why they're looking at this thinking this is possible if we could reduce that. And that's what that drug's for. It's possible that that marker could dissipate and maybe it wouldn't 
you know, continue to cause the problem. Is that, is that, yeah, what, is that's that the, correct? That's the basic idea. So, so Biogen and a bunch of other companies um, have really been um, focused on amyloid protein and amyloid beta and trying to, you know, prevent these clumps of amyloid from forming. And um, they think, I mean, the, the idea was that if you just could disrupt those clumps, then maybe you could like, you know, treat the disease and, and reverse some of the damage. Um, but the problem was like, it just turned out that it's a little bit more complicated than just those one, you know, attacking right. those clumps. Uh, that's, that may be part of it, but they're just all, like there's all this other stuff going on, like the tau that's forming um, and yeah. like inflammation is another big- I was gonna bring that up, yeah. But before we bring that up, I wanted to say, so like uh, jumping off of what Cassie was, was also saying is that, you know, are there people that have, you know, a buildup of these amyloid pro proteins that it doesn't affect them in a, in a negative way? It doesn't present in that way? Or, and I also, I think I picked up from your article about that sometimes in Down syndrome uh, babies, mm. they, it's, it's, it, it's also there you can. So yeah, so there are a couple of things, yeah, that you mentioned. The, I mean, we don't know for sure if having, you know, these amyloid plaques necessarily means you're going to develop Alzheimer's. Most of the time, people eventually will develop some kind of Alzheimer's pathology, but um, there are definitely people who, you know, live their whole lives, and then, like, when they die, like, they have signs of amyloid buildup in the brain, but they don't mm. seem to have developed, like, severe Alzheimer's. So mm. we don't really know, like, how, how well, like, the amount of amyloid in your brain really correlates with severity of the disease right. you might have. Mm. Um, I think tau is actually like maybe a better marker of, you know, the disease in some ways. That seems to be the more detrimental issue or that's, uh, that the focus should maybe go on that away from amyloid. So that's one, yeah, that's one idea that maybe if you just could prevent the tau protein from misforming or misfolding or whatever, mm -hmm. um, that would be a more effective target. I mean, there's just, there's all these different targets out there and a lot of researchers think we might actually have to target multiple different things because, mm -hmm. you know, it's such a complex disease. Um, and just to come back to what you were saying about Down syndrome, it's really fascinating actually, because I didn't know this and I have a, a cousin who has Down syndrome, uh -huh. but a lot of, you know, babies that have Down syndrome, they have an extra copy of one chromosome, the right. chromosome 21. And that chromosome is a chromosome that has the gene for this out, uh, amyloid precursor protein. Is that the so, AOP? APP, yeah. Um, so, or for the enzymes, I guess, that kind of like process that break down that protein. Mm -hmm. So what happens is because they have this extra copy of this chromosome, uh, they, you know, it results in like too much amyloid being accumulated. And people with Down syndrome often develop like dementia-like a, ba a kind of dementia early in life because prematurely they, yeah yeah, so. yeah it also gives me pause to think about you know are we wired to degenerate because you know that's the circle of life i think you know to some extent all of us you know our normal aging process like our brains don't work quite as well as they did when we were 20 
you know, or when we were teenagers or something. But... How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> I know we're all declining, but I know, um, I know. Speak, it's but... so scary too when you know when you're related to somebody with Alzheimer's. Like if I can't think of a word, I'm like I panic. I literally like I'll get an anxiety attack. Yeah. yeah, but but the good news is I think like I do think there is still like hope for trying to intervene and in, in Alzheimer's because if you could the, I think the big key here is if you could find a way to intervene early on before like this damage cascade happens you might actually be able to prevent some of the worst um, symptoms from ever developing and that's what I think a lot of people are hoping with Alzheimer's mm -hmm. is that even with amyloid yeah. if you could kind of you know, know Herb that somebody that. who's developing these plaques, because it develops like years or decades even before like you start to even have any signs of the disease. So right. if we knew that, we could find a way to kind of maybe give you a medication that would start to prevent them. Yeah. yeah. You know, drugs like aducanumab, this one that Biogen has been testing, that was going to be like this big hope, you know, or there were so many drugs that had already failed. Yeah. So when aducanumab came out last year and said, oh, maybe this drug actually works in a subset of people and improves memory a little bit um, or slows the decline, then that was a big deal. It was like, maybe we have something here. Um, there were also scientists who were a bit skeptical of it and said, you know, well, we need to see more data because it was kind of weird how they just kind of came out and said like it doesn't work and then later they said actually we think it did work and we reanalyzed the data and this particular uh trial that that uh, biogen's putting out uh for the amblin um reduction or whatever to stop that what talk about the drug trial and how that actually works exactly and and that's why it's like one time they thought that there was no uh data but then then maybe a year later or something because they actually checked with the patients again, the subjects again, because it, it took a longer time maybe than what they thought. That's what I took away from your article. Is that correct? And then um, they went, oh yeah, we've changed our mind because we saw some results. They basically reanalyzed. So they had these two different like trials, two big trials, um, cohorts of people that they were um, giving the drug to in different doses. And they originally, I think it was March last year, 2019, they came out and said, we're ending the trial because um, there weren't any positive findings and mm -hmm. there were too many like side effects or something. Mm -hmm. So they were gonna stop the trial and then everyone was thinking, oh, this is the, the end of amyloid hypothesis. Like right. if this didn't work, you know, nothing's gonna work for, for this particular um, mechanism. But they came back like in August or sorry, October, I think it was, um, and basically announced that they had reanalyzed the data and that they found that one group in one of the trials who was getting the highest dose of this drug mm -hmm. actually did see something like 25% improvement, I think. So wow. I don't know exactly what their measures were, but um, I think it was like memory and, you know, various cognitive measures. Um, and they showed that, or, you know, maybe it wasn't improvement so much as like a slower rate of, of decline, but, right. um, but it was something. And so they, they said, they had a big, you know, press release about it. Mm. And now the plan was for them to submit it to the FDA, I think, early this year. Mm. Um, and I think now that's kind of on hold with all the coronavirus yeah, stuff. Yeah, so. it's, I'm not sure about Biogen yet. They just haven't come up with anything 
exactly what they've presented yet, but their their mission statement's really good. <laughs> well, right. you know what though? They're all everybody's working for the 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 treatment and the cure for Alzheimer's. So I'm going to give everybody uh, props on that. And what I wanted to ask you, Tanya, do you um, in your research and everything that you've encountered, have you do you feel like there's some hope within our lifetime that we're going to see uh, treatments and a cure for Alzheimer's with all people that you've been in contact with? So that's that's a, probably the million dollar question. I, mean, I, I certainly hope so. I think I'll say this. I think that there's been a lot of progress in in understanding just this really complex disease, and I think we we understand now that it's not like a simple disease where you know there's just one thing that goes wrong and that if you just fix that one thing you mm -hmm. can fix the whole disease but i do think we kind of have a better appreciation for all of these different um proteins that are involved different inflammatory processes and um you know problems with uh sort of clearing up the amyloid and and problems right. with cell membranes and things and now we're kind of understanding how all these pieces might fit together in a way. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's going to take some time, you know, probably to develop treatments that can, you know, deal with all of this, <laughs> all of those different things. Like cancer, I feel like Alzheimer's might be triggered by many different things, depending on your, the, the way, the composition of your body and your biology, you know, individually, because, you know, some people can smoke their whole life and not get cancer. Other people can smoke and they've got, you know, it's not just lung cancer, they've got cancer everywhere, you know, mm -hmm. or, you know, like Valerie Harper, who was in my movie, she had um, lung cancer and never smoked a day in her life. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, our own bodies are all so different that, you know, it's it like it is complex. And I think there's so many factors we don't quite understand. But we do know, you know, there are things that people can do preventatively. I mean, in terms of, I mean, it's not a guarantee. But if you exercise and eat well, you know, or, um, there are things that can decrease the risk, I think. So I know you had to take some hope from that. You took, you wrote an article last month about um, the coronavirus and you were, you were bringing up, uh, what did you, blood sugar mm. and, and its correlation between your immune system, which I mean, mm. when you say blood sugar, does that equate to inflammation? Because that, you know, the, the level of sugar in your, um, or not. So what happens with, I think the, that study or that story was basically looking at like why, um, people with like diabetes, for example, um, who have problems with blood sugar right. that can trigger, um, like an out of control immune response when you get infected with flu, for example. And we've seen something similar with COVID-19, like that people who have diabetes and other types of underlying health conditions um, are at a higher more risk. affected by the yeah. disease. Mm. Um, and, and it may be because of this sort of runaway inflammation, um, right. inflammatory response. I think so. I mean, I, I was trying to see if there was a correlation, you know, to a lot of our diseases are, uh, you know, can be triggered by inflammation and mm -hmm. whether you have diabetes or not. I mean, I, I, 
try to figure out like what it what can I do to to prevent and you know see if it helps it's like my mother was a sugar holic I know that you know love love some sugar give me some sugar I mean and it's like know. the worst for you I love sugar too but I know it's it's like poison I but think I think that you know the key is sort of like keeping things in balance and like yeah. you know moderation I, I wouldn't say don't <laughs> yeah don't ever eat chocolate cake or something but like oh no I'm sure. your life, but, but don't have I a, bowl. a bowl of you generally at all times is not probably the best yeah. thing <laughs> and like, but uh, with something like alzheimer's too there's so many like genetic factors and stuff yeah. like so i think i wouldn't say to people like that this is something that you know it's your fault or you're somehow oh, under right. control or anything like that it's more like you know everyone would be healthier if we all exercise and, and yes. well in general. So it's pretty much just good advice in general. Sure. It is. And also drinking water, like really for a really long time, I didn't realize I wasn't drinking enough water, but I didn't feel good. And I went to doctor, to doctor, to doctor. And I was like, you're dehydrated. And I'm like, what? Because <laughs> I, 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 I wasn't drinking enough water. And yeah. dehydration can make you feel bad and nauseous and not be thinking clearly and, and have a stomach ache. Those things uh, are caused by dehydration because we're 98%, you know, water. And yeah. so it's very interesting. Can you, Tanya, tell us about the May issue of Scientific American? We have a big special report about Alzheimer's um, and just looking at kind of what do we know, you know, we've been studying this disease for a few decades now. Um, well, I guess it's been around, we've known about it for about 100 years, but um, just in the last couple of decades, it's really sort of taken off as a research field. And um, we kind of want to just look back at what we've learned and whether we need to take a new approach for things like treatment, things like the amyloid hypothesis, and trying to understand what's working and what isn't working, what, what do we know? Um, and then we also wanted to look at some of the factors that uh, could influence Alzheimer's, like the reasons that it's more common in women um, could be- Yes, what is that? <laughs> what is that? Yeah, is it hormones? I mean, is it, is it just yeah I mean, yeah she said yes, yes, yes it's the hormones i mean it's always the hormones. Hormones. <laughs> yeah so the, i mean uh. I think we have a story about um you know menopause and how yeah. estrogen levels change during menopause and how that might be playing a role in this uh, in the development of alzheimer's but obviously not everybody gets not all women get alzheimer's no. so it's more but there's a lot that. of talk about like because i i take bio um bioidentical hormone cream and my my doctor had told me she's a endocrinologist who's written books about all you know all of the the hormonal aspect of women and she's she's really incredible but she said you need to be on it for the rest of your life like it's what keeps you everything moving it's like your you know it's 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 it feeds everything in your body is your estrogen levels it's you know definitely important i mean there's yeah. so many diseases i think that are influenced by estrogen and right um, because you know. we're, we are programmed to degenerate and we're <laughs> fighting it with tooth and nail <laughs> yeah it's true although i mean you know i think if we the more the good news is that if we learn more about what role estrogen might be playing yeah. like there might be interventions and ways that we could use that to develop better treatments um no for sure no so i think it's you know it's a double-edged thing but 
but yeah. the same thing that you were the same same thing that we're discussing is like different um, different trials or different drugs that are out there, different markers or different you know investigations or things that are being found right about mm -hmm. Alzheimer's. Are there other drug trials that you know that are being investigated? Is that also part of the May issue, or is it just everything about Alzheimer's? Um, so we didn't really go into too much of you know the sort of whole landscape of different trials out there, but. Um, yeah, the Biogen one was kind of like the last big hurrah for um, the amyloid hypothesis. So there's a lot of different companies developing drugs that target various things. Um, you know, there's the inflammation, the tau, all the other types of uh, things that are going on. And I think those trials are still ongoing, but there hasn't been any like one area that I think that's been like a gee whiz Result right. so far, right. um, but this new stuff with with the Biogen trial could kind of reignite some interest in that type of of that type of drug. So right. I think you're going to see more companies getting into that space now because um, they're they might think, oh, now there's actually something there that we might have missed before. Well, that's um, so we just have to goodness. see kind of how it shakes out. I think that's yeah. Cool. Well, that's good news. Where would um, our listeners go to find? Uh, uh, your great article. Well, you can either uh, subscribe to the magazine, uh, the print magazine, or yeah. you can uh, go to our website, scientificamerican.com, and our May issue should be online. Um, it will be, you can subscribe to view the feature articles in the magazine, or you can just read our news articles on the website. Um, right now, all of our coronavirus coverage is um, free and freely accessible, so. Absolutely, thank you for all of your great explanation and speaking yeah. to us, the lay people, to understand scientific jargon, because I'm, <laughs> I'm not a scientist. <laughs> but you made That's it, my job. <laughs> well, you made it really palatable and you made it understandable for me, yeah. so I really appreciate that. And I, um, I just wanna thank you so very much for participating with us today and sharing with our audience um, your great knowledge. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. And yeah both staying safe and me know, too taking care of yourselves oh yeah oh yeah i'm staying real safe away from everybody right now yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. of course i want to say thank you so much to our listeners we really love you we appreciate you please keep coming back um and um until next time uh remember love is powerful and love is contagious and love conquers all it does. It really does. Bye, everybody. Thank Bye, you. Everybody. Thank you. you. Care, subscribe. We love you. All you gotta do <laughs> is Please subscribe. <laughs>